the biggest thing that I could tell any entrepreneur ever when it comes to stress and anxiety is um, exercise, water, and nutrition. Like that, that really is it. Um, you know, when I say exercise, getting just up and moving, you don't have to go, you know, do CrossFit or, you know, some hardcore workout in the gym. Just literally get up and go for a walk. Just move your body, get your blood flowing, find something that you love and enjoy and do it for 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. Like even if you can only get 15 minutes in, do it, prioritize it. Just go for a brisk walk. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, where I work with female entrepreneurs to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I'm your host for this podcast, Startup Marketing. I'm a mom of three and entrepreneur, so if you ever hear little kids in the background, it's just my life, trying to make this all work while I build a business. I worked as a corporate marketer for over 12 years where I focused on marketing and branding strategy along with marketing management. Often, I heard small business owners say they weren't doing any marketing because they couldn't afford to outsource it to an agency and they didn't know how to do it themselves. When I started my business, I knew I could take my expertise and my experience to help women thrive by teaching them how to create strategic marketing plans they could feel confident about and show them the tools to make managing their marketing easy and efficient. So if you're an entrepreneur out there who's Googling how to brand and market your business, you've come to the right place. The goal of Startup Marketing is to make all of my marketing knowledge accessible and actionable so you can take it and level up your business. I'm a huge marketing nerd and I'm passionate about sharing everything I know with you. This podcast is genuinely one of my favorite things to create. So get ready to learn about all things marketing. All right, Startup Marketing listeners, welcome to today's episode. You know every once in a while, I like to sprinkle in some guests who talk about your health and well-being because it's super important as an entrepreneur. Today's guest, Nika Laurie, is going to do just that. Nika is a functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner, conscious living advocate, and founder and CEO of Health & Hustle LLC and the of of Apothecary? (laughs) I don't know how to say this. Hold on. All right, we're going to redo this. Nika is a functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner, conscious living advocate, and founder and CEO of Health and Hustle LLC and the Apothecary. Gosh dang it. <laughs> Nika is a functional nutrition. <laughs> Avapothecary. That's not a real word and I can't say it. Okay, avapothecary. Nika is a functional nutrition and lifestyle practitioner, conscious living advocate, and founder and CEO of Health and Hustle LLC and the Avapothecary. I probably still didn't say that right. She's dedicated to helping people heal their bodies through nutritional behavior and conscious living strategies by guiding them through the process of designing a personalized lifestyle and developing a skill set that leads to optimal health, allowing them to thrive in their daily hustle. She's on a mission to transform the quality of life for people around the world by providing tools, resources, and education on the importance and simplicity of diet and lifestyle modification. How you take care of yourself directly impacts your business. So let's dive in and learn about better ways to take care of ourselves without approaching burnout. 
Hi, Nika, and welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be here, so thank you. Yes, I'm excited for this conversation because I think it's a little bit different take than what I've normally got, so I'm excited for my listeners. So tell us about your background and what it is you do. Yeah, so I have kind of a crazy background. I've been all over the place. So I born and raised in New Mexico. Um, I lived off the grid um, in the mountains outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico with my parents. So mm-hmm. when I Mm -hmm. off the grids like we had uh we collected rainwater and filtered it and we lived off of like solar panels and like energy from the sun and we had like a garden for food and so it was really cool so we just you know that kind of hippie thing but we had a pretty normal life at the same time you know I went to school (laughs) with kids and wore normal clothes and all that stuff but so I grew up off the grid and then Um, From that, I was like, I need to go to real life, how people live. And so I moved to two of the biggest cities in the world. I lived in uh, New York City for a while, and then I lived Mm. in Los Angeles for a long time. A big change. (laughs) Yeah, it was a huge change, huge change. But I loved it. And while I was in those cities, I worked either in um, the music industry or the film industry. And Mm. so I had, you know, this real... Um, kind of commercial, big, big business kind of um, experience. And it was really cool. And I had a blast and I had a lot of fun. But what I found was after several years, I was burnt out and I was exhausted and I was not taking care of my body. And so I decided to actually move back to New Mexico to go back to school and kind of you know, just do a shift in my life. And a uh, long, long story short, that led me to the Alzheimer's Association, where I worked um, for almost a decade there. And I learned all about kind of body brain health and how everything's connected and how, you know, devastating this disease is and how I want to do everything possible <laughs> to avoid it and to help other people avoid it. And so that really sparked my interest in health and wellness. And so I actually ended up leaving the association after almost a decade to start my own business. And I do um, kind of a, a mixture of things, but the the main thing I do is um, functional nutrition. So I'm mm-hmm. a certified health coach, um, among other things I'm certified for as well. But I really help people figure out how to overcome burnout and anxiety and recover from trauma and and um, figure out kind of that work-life balance so that they can live through the hustle, but still be healthy and really take care of their body. So it's kind of all over the place, but it led me to a wonderful place that I love now. So Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's really, really important um, to kind of recognize like the state of the the hustle. I was just um, doing another interview that where I was talking with um, another business owner who helps kind of uh, set up systems and things like that to help people get away from like feeling like they're burned out all the time and that they kind of have to work themselves mm-hmm. to death in their business. And I just think that it's something that is so um, easy for us to do as entrepreneurs and yeah. I've kind of been on a mission lately to help people understand that like, it's not something that you, you don't have to live the entrepreneur life that way. You know, you don't have to be burned out and not taking care of yourself to be successful in, in your business. So, Mm -hmm. um, you, you kind of share this story on your website that I felt like was really compelling and kind of highlights like how you got here. And you were talking about chronic, stress yeah. and like the ex- your experience with chronic chronic stress stress which ugh, 
my goodness, <laughs> your experience with chronic stress that I think mm-hmm. really led you to kind of what you were talking about, start yeah. your business and you sort of alluded to it. Can you share kind of more about what that was and yeah, what that, really, like, that final tipping point was for you? Yeah. So I had kind of, um, kind of two things happening at the same time. So I was working, um, when I was working for, I had come from the film and music industry, which if you don't know, most of the time you're working upwards of 20 hours a day. Like it's crazy. Um, (laughs) when you're on the set, you don't leave until they're done filming and it can be, you know, a 20 hour day Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, you know, and you're just go, go all the time. And I was young and in my twenties. And so I kind of had the energy and your body doesn't start kind of degrading on you. you know, <laughs> yeah. in your 20s. And so I was kind of able to manage it, but I could definitely tell that I wasn't, um, you know, doing the things I needed to do for my body to really be healthy and strong. Yeah. And then when I went to the association, you know, I, I love the association. They do a phenomenal job. But I, again, was working like 60 hours a week. I was a um, single mom trying to take care of my daughter, trying to manage Mm. everything, trying to manage a house. And I was burning out. I just was really unhealthy. At the end, one of the big reasons why I ended up leaving the association was I actually got pretty sick. Um, I was having these crazy chest pains that kind of felt like I actually went to the hospital concerned I was having a heart attack because they were like these really bad chest pains, especially like around the left side. My arm felt weird. It was crazy. And they were just coming and going. And long story short, I went to all kinds of doctors. Nobody could figure out what was going on. What I realized was it was anxiety. I was having basically an ongoing prolonged anxiety attack that lasted about six months. And once Mm -hmm. I finally kind of quit my job and really spent some time kind of reassessing, you know, how I wanted to spend my time in my life and kind of reprioritizing things, the chest pain started to go away and I got healthy again and really started focusing on how to kind of manage that and how to really incorporate that. And one of the things I've been really careful about with starting my business and growing it is to make sure that I keep prioritizing that balance of keeping my health and the hustle. So my business name is Health and Hustle. Mm -hmm. So keeping the health and the hustle equally, you know, prioritized so that one doesn't overpower the other. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a crazy thing, but it was, it was a long kind of scary journey Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's been a good learning lesson as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And relate to, to that experience in, in a lot of ways, I wasn't having chest pains. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was constantly like nauseous Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so, so sick and like just, there were foods that I stopped eating. Like I was on medication, you know, because my GP was like, well, it sounds like it's like acid reflux or something. So like here's an antacid. Um, and like nothing was helping. And so then I like, I was like, okay, I want to see a specialist. And so I went to a GI specialist Mm -hmm. and and he was like, uh, he was like, honestly, like all of your tests say that there's like nothing wrong with yeah. you, you yeah. know? And so he, he did have like a good conversation. He, he was like, here are some things that like, sometimes I do see in, in women your age, he was like, um, you know, it's worth looking into potentially like a hormone imbalance or something like that. And, and I was like, okay, you know, and so I'm getting ready to kind of like fight, not fight that battle, but like try to see if that explore that. And I got laid off from my job. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it got to the point where I was like, 
I was like, I I was so sick that I was like barely like able to eat anything. I just yeah. all day, every day. And got laid off from my job and five months pregnant and um starting my business. And within like six, four to six weeks, probably, like all those symptoms go away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like looking back at it, I was just at a point where like in my career where I didn't realize that like my corporate job was so stressful to me. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I really did like it. I yeah. really enjoyed yeah. what I was doing and I was having a lot of, I was having a lot of fun on these projects. I had a great boss, but there were certain things within my job that I found very, very stressful mm-hmm. and they, they were taking their toll physically on me and it was just kind of becoming an environment. There were, you know, things that were happening that, you know, companies grow and they change and it just, it wasn't in alignment with, with me anymore, but I wasn't kind of ready to acknowledge that yet. And it wasn't anything bad. They weren't doing anything bad. It was just, again, businesses grow and change, people grow and change. But at any rate, I was, I was so sick and it was like for two years, I was like chasing these answers and I was like, there's gotta be, you know, and then you start making up your own story. Like, you know, you, you're like, I, I'm probably having a heart attack. I think I'm having a heart attack. I should go. I was like, I probably have cancer. I'm probably dying. Like, you know, and it just, it spiraled out of control and it was, it ultimately it was stress and anxiety. And knowing that now, like there are times like where it pops up again, but I can Mm -hmm. immediately identify like, okay, I am anxious about something or I'm finding something very stressful. And then you have those tools to kind of like mitigate it and change it. Um, But I think as an entrepreneur, we're told that like, you need to be hustling. You need to be out there 24 seven doing what you can to grow your business and make it successful. And, you know, so that means being on social media, that means, you know, networking your, your buns off and making sure that like as many people as possible are seeing, seeing your message. And, um, I, I think it does us a disservice because you, you burn out and that's Mm -hmm. something that you kind of help within your business. So are there myths about, being an entrepreneur that you hear that as like the owner of a business (laughs) called health and hustle that helps people, you know, eliminate burnout and stress and anxiety that you go, no, please stop. Please don't, don't buy into them. Yeah. I think, I mean, I love what you're saying because I think it's a story that I hear so often, especially amongst women and especially amongst Mm -hmm. mothers, because there's like a whole extra set of pressures put on top of us as moms. Like Mm -hmm. we already have to balance, you know, just keeping a child alive. Like (laughs) keeping a human being alive is a crazy responsibility. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then on top of that, society expects us to, you know, look great and feel great and have all this energy and present well, you know, and, and have these play dates and friends and all these fun things. And then on top of that, either have a really successful career or run a really successful business. And Mm -hmm. that kind of pressure is a lot for anybody. I mean, moms are superheroes and, you know, that's still a lot for us to handle. And so I think the thing that is always misconstrued um, or misunderstood is, you know, one of the reasons I picked the word hustle for my business, health and hustle, is to kind of take back the word, is kind of to mm-hmm. redesign what that word means. Because 
I will never fit into the mold of the 20 year old guy who's going to hustle the way most people think of that word, Mm -hmm. you know, and get to a million dollars by the time he's 25 and, you know, and do all those things and drive the fast cars. Like, it sounds cool, but like, I'm a 35 year old mom. Like, it's just not (laughs) going to happen. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of other responsibilities that those individuals, not saying what they're doing is wrong. It's just a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have different responsibilities than that, those people. And so understanding that you can still find health and find ways to care for yourself and to relieve that stress and anxiety yeah. and still hustle. You can still be really successful and have a great business and grow mm-hmm. your business but you have to figure out how to prioritize the things and figure out what your values are in order to um, kind of manage all of that at the same time. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> we both like <laughs> took a breath at yeah. the same time. You could tell we were going to talk. Um, yeah, I I was just having this conversation um, recently with another another entrepreneur that I met, and. It's really like we were talking about how you kind of have to come into your business with the intention of what you kind of how you want to build it or the lifestyle that you want to lead through Mm -hmm. it because your point is is well made about like a 20 something you know male or female like yeah you can you can spend your time doing whatever you want yeah and Mm -hmm. And and that's a, that's a luxury. Um, yeah, absolutely. As yeah. as a as a parent trying to build a business, I don't have that luxury, and so I've had to be very intentional about coming into my business. What boundaries was I going mm-hmm. to put in place to make sure that like I don't get lost in in my business and I don't find myself out of harmony with like my goals and my family and my kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's not that any one person's way of building a business is right or wrong. Exactly. It's knowing or understanding what is right for you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very intentional about it. And then you have to really like set those boundaries and and really understand and say, like, okay, if I if I'm gonna say to myself, I'll use myself as an example, when my kids get home from school at three o'clock. And really, if I have to go pick them up, it's 2.30. Mm-hmm. My day is done. Yeah. I, I occasionally <laughs> – sometimes that's really just a function of the fact that I can't like finish a complete thought after, yeah. <laughs> after three totally kids fair. come home. Yeah. Um, but I also I, – I knew starting my business, you know, yes, I was laid off. Yes, it came unexpectedly. Um However, I had already been building my business for about a year at that point, and I had built it with the intention of wanting to be able to unplug at the Mm -hmm. same time that, like, my kids got done with school. I didn't want to have to wait until, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock when it was, like, socially acceptable in a company to be done and then, like, come home and cook dinner and clean up and then be like, look at that. We maybe have 45 minutes to spend yeah. together before I need to start the process of getting you ready for bed, which is going to like dominate the rest of my evening. Right. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it doesn't actually take my kids five minutes to get ready for yeah. bed like it should. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I I came in with the intention of saying, this is, this is the time that I have. I have from 8 a.m. after they leave for school 
to about two thirty, three 3 o'clock mm-hmm. when they get home from school. And that's that's it. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. And so yeah. then everything I do within my business like kind of has to fit within that construct. I now think, I – go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say you saying I have to be okay with that. That is the key thing is that you have to mm-hmm. start understanding that, you know, at, at least for, for entrepreneurs, you know, I know it's different working in a nine to five kind of corporate job. There's yeah. more restrictions around that. But as entrepreneurs that either get to work from home or that get to set their own hours, yeah, we have the the freedom or the um, luxury of being able to say, these are the hours that I'm available. Yeah. And being comfortable with setting those boundaries and not living within the construct of what society expects. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes around expects. That's the hardest part to kind of get over because you you do feel guilt of not mm-hmm. working till five mm-hmm. or five thirty, or even sometimes you feel guilt like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm starting a business. Why am I not working till twelve o'clock at night and waking up at six a.m. Like you know, because yeah. that's what people expect of entrepreneurs. But the reality is, is that I do the same thing. My daughter goes to school at eight; she gets off at two fifteen. So that's my work hours is eight to fifteen. Yeah. You know. Occasionally I'll have, um, you know, her dad's around or my mom or something. And so I'll have some flexibility with those. But for the most part, I have a very set specific time slot. And even within that time slot, I reserve half an hour of that day to exercise or meditate or Mm -hmm, cook mm -hmm. if I want to meal prep for the week or something. And so I reserve slots of time for that. And I had to learn to be okay with it. And that's the trick is to decide this is okay because this is what's going to work best for myself and my family. Yeah. It's, um, I, I am very much the same way. I, I did end up making a shift because at first I was, not doing, like I wasn't working out until after my kids went to school. And finally I was like, okay, then I'm not getting started until like 10 or 10 30. Yeah. Um, you know, and if I'm being slow, it could be closer to 11. And I was like, you, you, okay. Like you can't, there is more that has to be done than like Mm -hmm. just those a couple of hours of work. So I didn't, I did make the shift to like start getting up before my kids and working out, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's helpful to me too. Um, yeah, because (laughs) otherwise my kids are just waking me up. Um, and I'm just slower in general, but it's, it was a weird, um, when my husband was, was still working from home, because of COVID, like Mm -hmm. I was weirdly self-conscious of like being like, okay, well, these are like my set times. And um, also like I am going to take half an hour for lunch and I am going to take some time to like fold some laundry because I felt like even he was probably judging me, which I don't think think he was. (laughs) But you talk about like the pressures of conforming to – you know, what society thinks. I think mm-hmm. it, it can even be like the people closest to you sometimes. Oh, yeah. And, and even still, like it was this weird, you know, I would obviously have moments where I would 
kind of like lose my confidence and I'd be talking to my my husband and I'd be like, I don't think this is going to work. I'm not going to be able to make it happen. You know, like those, the normal like nerves and, and things that you feel in a business as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so then I felt even more guilty about being like, yeah, "Yeah, I know I was just like a puddle of tears talking to you yesterday about how I I think I'm going to bankrupt our family, (laughs) but I'm going to take an hour today to like clean the house because it's driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird balance game that you have to play. I think it is. It's such a mind game. Like it really yeah. is. Like I love that you, you know, you talked about being a puddle of tears. Like I can't count how many times I've cried to my <laughs> fiance or, or you know, I tell my mom like I don't really know what I'm doing. Even though like I, you know, I'm doing great in my business and been successful. I'm just like every day you wake up and you're like is this real? Like, is this, yeah, I, and yeah. it's just, it's a, the imposter syndrome, which mm-hmm. literally if you talk to any entrepreneur ever, yeah. everyone has it. Everyone struggles with it. Everyone's like, I'm not qualified to be doing what I'm doing, even though most of the time we're they overqualified. Are. We, most <laughs> yes. of us have just like learned and learned and learned and learned and continue yeah. to learn because we keep feeling like we're not good enough yet. And so I think that's a typical entrepreneur thing. It's so it's so interesting that you say that because um, I'm actually reading a book right now called The Top Secrets of Successful Women. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, so it's all about imposter syndrome and it specifically talks about how um, we fall into the trap of like continuing to learn and learn and learn because it's kind of a, it's one way of combating imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then they talk about how that's not necessarily like the most helpful, right? (laughs) The most helpful way to go about it. Um, But it's a really, it's a very fascinating and interesting book. um, Probably one of the more like actionable ones that I've read on imposter syndrome. Um, And something too that I think like contributes to people feeling like they have to be hustling, right? Mm -hmm. Is because you're like, okay, well, I'm not qualified to be in this space. Mm -hmm. So I have to work harder and I have to do more things because if anybody looks, I don't, looks at my business and like, or me or gives us any kind of scrutiny. I don't want them to be able to say like, oh, she's not qualified to be here. Um, You know, she, oh, look at that. She's, that's cute. You're building a business between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. when your kids are at school. Like, and that's a nice little hobby. Yeah. And (laughs) And you're like, like, it's not a hobby. It's not. And the thing is though, is that that's usually like, I do the same thing. I have the exact same worries. I have the exact same concerns and, you know, uneasy feelings. But, but the reality is like, once you start talking to people, like, you're the only one thinking that about yourself. Like everyone else is like, I don't know how you're doing this. This is amazing. Like, how are you starting a business? Or like, you're so brave for taking the jump. Or like, you know, how do you manage your kids and the business? Like, those are the things that people are thinking. It's only us that are thinking like, (laughs) oh, you're so cute. Like, and that's true. it's, It's a funny thing once you kind of take a step out. And it's really hard to remember that. Like even, you know, Mm -hmm. I say this, you know, too easily talking about it, but even I'm like, oh yeah, Yeah. I have to remember, like, this is just my head being scared. Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm. have to, you know, pull myself out of it and get a bigger perspective. And then you can kind of move forward and make those, you know, leaps and jumps that you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so as somebody kind of helps in this area for entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. how can someone who's experiencing too much stress and too much anxiety in their business, 
really slow down and kind of start to regain control so that they feel, uh, well, in control. <laughs> yeah. So so it sounds funny. We've been talking about kind of mindset and, um, you know, and, and time management and stuff right now. But the biggest thing that I could tell any entrepreneur ever when it comes to stress and anxiety is um, exercise, water, mm-hmm. and nutrition. Like that, mm-hmm. that really is it. Um, you know, when I say exercise, getting just up and moving, you don't have to go, you know, do CrossFit or, you know, right. some hardcore workout in the gym. <laughs> just literally get up and go for a walk. Just move yeah. your body, get your blood flowing, find something that you love and enjoy and do it for 15, 20, 30 minutes a day. Like yeah. even if you can only get 15 minutes in, do mm-hmm. it and prioritize mm-hmm. it. Just go for a, a brisk walk because that gets your blood flowing and that really, uh, it affects every part of your body. It affects how your brain works. It affects your um, your ability to focus. It affects the amount of energy you have. It affects how you sleep at night. I mean, it really, there isn't a part of your life that exercise yeah. won't affect in a positive way or yeah. a negative way if you're not doing it. Um, drinking water is the other thing. I think it's something like 70 or 75% of Americans are uh, chronically dehydrated. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's appalling, like how bad it actually is. And, and, you know, people turn to sodas often to drink. Yeah. And the sad part is like the sodas are actually dehydrating you even more. And mm-hmm. so just trying to fit in some water throughout your day, usually if you're tired, the main reason you're actually tired is likely um, not from lack of sleep, though that's also a separate issue that I could get into. <laughs> the main reason is usually you are dehydrated and your brain stops working as well because your mm-hmm. cells need water. Sure. Um, and all of the, you know, the different systems that move throughout your body are based off of water because our bodies are about 70, 75% water. Yeah. So drink some water. If you're hungry, you're probably thirsty. So drink some water first. Like if you're craving a snack or sugar, drink water Mm. first. That usually helps. And then the last thing, which I would honestly say is probably the most important is nutrition. And as entrepreneurs, we are notoriously bad for eating Mm. unhealthy. You know, we, we are busy go-getters yet. We will go through the drive-through because it's quick and easy and we are not getting the nutrition that we need to really thrive. And so really trying to make small shifts, like you don't have to just change your entire diet, you know, overnight because reality is that's not going to happen. And even if you're able to do it, it's not going to last long-term. It's all about making those small behavior changes over time, but just add in a couple leafy greens, add in a couple vegetables and try to cut down a little bit on the sugar. You'd be surprised how much energy you can have with the less amount of sugar you take in. Like it Mm. really is a profound shift um, when Mm -hmm. you limit the amount of sugar you take in. So those are the big three things. And I think, you know, they sound simple and easy, but they're the things that people don't do. And so, you know, if you want to be a go-getter, if you want to be really successful and you want to, you know, reach your goals, take care of your body first. It's, it's it'll take you there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, um, as somebody who's experienced physical health issues Mm -hmm. as a result of stress and anxiety, like I can attest to how, how much that changes and things like that. And I think even, um, 
I feel like one thing pregnancy has taught me is the importance of water. Um, (laughs) because you drink, because you have to drink so much water, Mm -hmm. um, to alleviate like all the other random, like, um, side effects, weird weird things that like pregnancy does. (laughs) Like, I remember the first time I was pregnant, I called my doctor and I was like, my heart is racing. I'm pretty sure there's something wrong. She was like, how much water have you had to drink? And you know, cause it, it, pregnancy does weird things to your body. Um, so I was like, I do feel like I have a leg up in in that arena. And then too, like um, my littlest daughter had a dairy intolerance, which oh, I yeah. hadn't experienced with my mm-hmm. other kids. And so I had to cut dairy out of my diet. Yeah, and she's 10 months old. So our pediatrician was like, hey, you know, like maybe start trying to like add some back into your diet and see if mm-hmm. she tolerates it. Um, and then like start trying to add, give her some directly. So I added it into mine first. And I was like, this was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I like so- immediately was, I told my husband, I said, I'm going back. Yeah. I'm not going to eat dairy. I was like, you know, like occasionally we'll order pizza and I'll be like, I'll have a slice of pizza or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you can, I can immediately tell the effect that like it has on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that I've like gone through that change. But, and I was thinking about this last night as I was kind of running through this conversation in my head, I was like, I don't know that I would have made that change. I've cut dairy out for like a month before just to see mm-hmm. if I could do it. But then I went right back to it. Cause I was yeah. like, I love cheese. Yeah. <laughs> And and I like pizza and I like macaroni and cheese. Those are like my go-to comfort foods. Um, I don't think if I hadn't been forced into it because I needed to do it for my daughter, I don't think I would have made that change. Mm -hmm. It's hard. So it's crazy because – so I have a a dairy intolerance as well. And I didn't actually find out until uh, just recently. Um, Mm -hmm. But I knew – so I had given up drinking milk probably, gosh, probably like 20 years ago now. And once you stop drinking milk – you go back to taste it and it's like, this is disgusting. Like (laughs) I've never liked milk anyway. Oh my God. It's so gross. I, once you give it up, you can't go back. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I still ate cheese, but pretty minimally. But now I can see, I'm like, this is hugely affecting my body. And it's like Mm -hmm. the the mucus. I know it sounds gross, but it's true. And it's like your allergies, like in your nose and just the energy, like it's crazy how much it affects you. And the, the crazy thing is also about 70 to 75% of the population of humanity is allergic to milk, either yeah, to the way or tasted. Yeah. And so the vast majority of people have some type of allergy to it and really shouldn't be eating it, yet it's all over everything, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's so strange that you, you're talking about, um, the, the mucus. I, cause mm-hmm. I, so I've just started adding it back in in the past, like, two or three weeks. And I've noticed my daughter has been like so much more congested. And I emailed, I actually just emailed our pediatrician this morning and was like, can I give her allergy medicine? Cause I think that's what's going on here. And so I wonder if it's, if she still kind of has it, even though it's yeah. not like affecting her, um, in like the same ways that it was when she was a baby, baby, you know, it's yeah, very it interesting be, what it does to your body. You can eat, you know, if you, if I have a piece of cheese today, it may not affect me for like two or three days because yeah. it takes, it can take, you know, 48, 72 hours for everything to kind of process through your body. And it's really dependent on how quickly your body actually processes different types of food and mm-hmm. each person is different. And so you may not be able to directly correlate you know, yeah. I ate this and I had allergic reaction. It it can be days apart. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I've, I've heard too, I have, um, a, a gal that I went to high school with, she actually became a vegan and she now runs her own 
um, business. It's called Eat, Move, Rest. Mm -hmm. And she talks about um, the connection between like your gut and your mind all the time. And um, she was somebody who also suffered from like chronic anxiety. She's been very open about it. So this isn't anything that like she's revealed Mm -hmm. to me personally. But, you know, she has talked about it at great length Mm -hmm. and, you know, as, as an entrepreneur on, on the days when like my anxiety is really high, I can almost always kind of like correlate it back to like in part, oh, I haven't been eating Mm -hmm. as well as I should have. It's, it's super easy, especially being at home now to be like, oh, look, there are the Easter cookies. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that before we started recording or like, um, you know, here's a giant bucket of Halloween candy. I'm going to like dip into it again. Um, And it almost always correlates to like, Mm -hmm. hey, you haven't been taking the greatest care of yourself recently. Mm -hmm. And those feelings then like start to create anxiety, which feeds my imposter syndrome, which makes it harder for me to like perform in my business. So it sounds like it's, it sounds like they're so totally disconnected. Like you hear somebody say like, hey, take care, drink water, eat right, get good sleep, um, all of those things. And you're like, okay, whatever. But it truly like, it really does kind of like ladder up to how well you can perform in your business. Because if you're not, if you're not optimizing your body, basically, like you, you can't perform. And you talk about like feeling sluggish in the afternoons. Yeah. So I can give you like a very direct, clear explanation for like the gut brain connection. So, so you eat food, right? It goes down through your stomach, um, you know, it starts processing it and it ends up in your gut. Well, your gut has millions and millions and millions of little bacteria there. It's called your microbiome. And that bacteria is what actually processes all the food that you eat. So whether you're eating kind of crappy fast food or you're eating really whole nutritious food, that bacteria is going to process that food differently. Well, that bacteria sends direct signals through, um, enzymes and hormones and different things, Mm -hmm. sends direct signals to your brain through your vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is a long nerve that runs from your brain down to your gut and then back up to your brain again. So it's kind of like a big loop. And what happens is your gut actually sends the signals up to your brain and then your brain tells your body what to do. And so Mm. your butt, your, your gut is really what is, you know, kind of running the show. And so if you're feeding that, you know, gut bacteria, bad stuff, they're going crazy. They're sick and unhealthy and not feeling good. And so the same thing's going to happen to you. But if you're feeding that gut really nutritious food, like fibers and and leafy greens and, you know, whole food, they're going to be happy and feeling good and excited and well-fed. And so that's going to send those signals up to your brain and that's how your body's going to feel. And so there's a very direct connection to nutrition and how well you function mentally and physically. And so- You know, it's it's a very simple connection once you really look at how the whole system works. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, when I started in my business, I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I started out as a health coach. And then the more and more I got into it, I was like, this is 
it's nutrition. Like it is all nutrition. And so I'm, I'm now a functional nutrition specialist. And so really when I work with my clients, um, mostly kind of go-getters, business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, really busy people, that's what we look at. We look at nutrition and we look at behavior change and how we can shift your daily habits to incorporate more nutritious food and healthier habits into your life. Are there like, um, kind of some, some standard that like almost anybody shifts that almost anybody can make to really start incorporating better nutrition into their lives? Or is it really just dependent upon like you and your specific situation? Yeah. So one thing I will always say is that bio-individuality is really important. And what that means is that each one of us is really individual in the sense of what our body likes and what it doesn't. And so an example is like you think spinach, like everyone thinks spinach is healthy. There are people that may have an intolerance to spinach and it could range on a whole scale of slightly intolerant to super intolerant. Like an example for me is like chicken. Like I have a a slight intolerance to chicken. And so that doesn't mean that I'm going to have an allergic reaction, but it's something I probably shouldn't eat all the time. But people genuinely think chicken is kind of healthy unless you're vegan, but right. It's a pretty simple, straightforward food. You know, most people don't have any type of intolerance to chicken. And so understanding those different things Mm -hmm. um, can really help you shift the way you focus on what you eat. And you can do simple allergy tests. Like you can do, um, Everly Well does a great allergy test. You can go to your general uh, physician and ask for a food allergy test. So you can get those done. And that's something I really recommend because it really helps you individualize your mm. diet preferences based off of what your body is intolerant to or is is comfortable or happy with. Um, so understanding that is really important. Getting those numbers and that kind of stuff is really important. From there, the the biggest thing is to start small. Everyone wants the, you know, quick fix, overnight mm. pill, you know, take this and you'll feel great. And, you know, there are some things that you can kind of do that, like water. You can do that with water. Like anybody yeah, yeah. can do that with water. Yeah. But otherwise, it's really, um, you know, it's make a little shift. Like start for the first month of just adding add one vegetable or fruit into your daily meal and get comfortable with that. Make that a habit. Then build in a second thing, you know, and some people it might take a month to build in the habit. Other people, it might only take a week. Other people, it might take six months. It's really based off of your needs there. But the key is just to decide on those little shifts that you're going to do and then start Mm. doing them. When you look at behavior change, you can put it on a graph. And the important thing to know is, is that behavior change for it to be successful, the higher the motivation, the, um, the less, uh, you know, like the, the easier it is to change basically, like, you know what I mean? Yep. So if you have something that's really like, if you want to quit smoking, it's a really hard thing to do. And so yeah. you're going to need a lot of motivation to really make that happen. Right. right. But if you want to add in like an extra glass of water a day, like that's pretty easy. You don't need a whole lot of motivation. You just need a trigger to remind yourself to do it. Yeah. And so it's really looking at the type of change you want to make and then understanding, you know, what range you need of motivations and triggers mm-hmm. um, in order to make it happen. That's, it's so interesting. I'm thinking about like how to put this in play. Cause I kind of, um, coming off of the Easter high that yeah. we were on, <laughs> yeah. you know, where we've had cookies and pies and we've got candy. And I was like, okay, this is just, 
<sighs> I need it. Like I was Look like, crazy. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, I just need to figure out like how to get all of this stuff out of my house. So far, the uh-huh. answer has been eating it, which is not surfing. Yeah. Very well. <laughs> um, you know, but I think about it's, it's hard. Um, I am, I am highly motivated to uh-huh. kind of do some of this stuff and my motivation falls apart when I have to work on other people out, you know, so I have a household of people that, uh-huh. Uh-huh. um, you know, I, and I suppose I could just kind of be like, well, I don't care. I'm going to start implementing, like you said, one veggie. And if my kids do it, yeah, great. If my husband does it, great. But I am, I am going to do it. And I think that's kind of something that is hard mm-hmm. to do when you've got like extra people that you're trying to kind of account for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose I've taken that approach with with exercise. Like if I waited to exercise with my husband, I would like sporadically exercise. Yeah. I exercise every day because it's important to me and I prioritized it. So mm-hmm. I think that's um there Yeah, it's just interesting. It's a it's a balance, I suppose. Yeah, that you have absolutely. to have to strike. Well, and there are some things that you can do. So, you know, one of the things to understand is it's not necessarily like removing everything from your life. Like people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, I need to get all the candy and junk out of my house. Yeah. Well, you can do that, but you're not going to like it, you know? And so instead the concept is crowd out. And so what that means is bring in more healthy stuff. Mm. And if you just keep adding in a couple little healthy things here and there, what you'll find is over time, your, your taste buds change, your desire for different foods change based off of what you're getting more accustomed to eating. And so if you're bringing in healthier foods over time, you're going to shift and focus on eating those healthier foods opposed to eating the junk food. The other thing too is just drop little nuggets of information. Like don't push it on your family. (laughs) But I know like with with my fiance friends example, you know, he grew up, he's like a Midwest farm boy, like corn and beef, right? Like (laughs) that's like meat and potatoes. Yeah. Yep. I've got one. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, like I'm still working on the milk thing with him, (laughs) but in general, like I've seen him completely shift the way he eats. And it's just because I'm like, oh, this, did you know that does your, this to your body? Or do you know that's actually probably going to make you sick? And it's just little nuggets over time. And like, you can see them start to shift of like, (laughs) oh, maybe I should eat this instead of that. And like, I've really seen him take the the initiative to shift those habits in his own life. And he's done really good. And so it wasn't something I forced on him, but it was something like, I just kind of shared the knowledge and he started (laughs) to kind of make those changes. Right. And then when it comes to your kids, the two things I would say is one, I use, um, the eat the rainbow chart. So, um, if you want to, you can go to my website, it's uh, healthandhustle.co, but there's a eat the rainbow chart and it's literally like a picture of a rainbow and you just play the game with your kids where if they Mm. eat, you know, a, a piece of fruit or vegetable of each color from the rainbow throughout the day, um, they get little stars. And at the end of the week, if they've completed the rainbow, she gets to pick a prize, like either, oh. you know, you know, a gift or we go do something or whatever. It's yeah. her decision. Um, but man, has that motivated her to, you know, every day she's like, mom, it I might motivate me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, mom, I had grapes. I do it too. I do it with her. And so, you know, she's like, I had grapes and I had cherry tomatoes and I ate my leaves, like her spinach or yeah, she ate her leaves and, you know, but you know, we just keep it on the fridge and doing things like that 
Mm-hmm. Um, even my daughter will be like, this only has like two grams of sugar. Do you think it's okay? <laughs> you know, and she's six and, yeah, and figuring yeah. that out. And so, um, you know, and so she has gotten much more interested in eating healthy. And so it's really just giving them all knowledge and kind of making it fun for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. um, I, I like that. I'm going to have to print that off. I, yeah. I follow on Instagram um, and you might know her as well. Kids eat in color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you probably are super familiar with her, but I always think that's an interesting concept too. And I try to use that as like, um, when my kids are like, why do I have to eat my lettuce? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, it's good for you. Like I try to mm-hmm. tell them like leafy greens do blah, 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 blah for your body, um, yeah. which sometimes they don't care about. But <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> Other times they're like, okay, okay, that's yeah. fine. Um, so as an entrepreneur, what do you feel like, uh, shifting gears a little bit, what do you feel like has been your biggest struggle? Biggest struggle, I think, goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning is is um, kind of getting out of my own head, is mm-hmm. understanding that, like, I am good enough to do this. There is no reason why I shouldn't do this. There are tons of people that need the skills and resources that I'm, you know, able to offer, and I'm doing them a disservice if I don't offer them. And so, you know, really understanding, like, getting past the imposter syndrome and yeah. just keep going and the only way that I've found, I think there's two things that I've found that have really helped me kind of work past that or continue is one, just keep going. Like it's yeah, messy. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur is. is super messy. It's it's kind of embarrassing because you're like putting stuff out there. You know, you have to be kind of mm-hmm. be brave with that. And you're like, oh my God, everybody's judging me. But in the reality, they're, you know, they're really not that not. much, I hope, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know, so. so. Yeah. And so, you know, you just keep one foot in front of the other. Yeah. The other thing is talk to other entrepreneurs because it's like you and I just mm-hmm. in this conversation of like, oh, yeah, I do the exact same thing or, oh, yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, and what I find is like I talk to tons of other entrepreneurs all the time and they're all saying the same thing. So we're yeah. all struggling with the same thing. And so keeping that or trying to remember that and keep that in perspective as you move forward kind of helps, but it's, yeah. it's the, it's the mental game. It's, that's the hardest struggle for sure. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, in the book that I am reading, I think one of the like biggest, like aha moments for me is that, um, when she talks about like imposter syndrome and why it comes up, she said that like usually it's there's like one kind of thought that motivates like all of our imposter syndrome feelings. She calls mm-hmm. it your crusher. Mm-hmm. And it's like the thing that if it was said out loud about you would just like totally devastate you. And so mm-hmm. that like that kind of like fuels everything that you do to like try to quote unquote cover up your imposter syndrome. Um And so she like has an exercise that kind of like helps you identify that. And like, Mm -hmm. once you, once you do identify that, then like you have, that she kind of has like ways that you can kind of combat it and say, like retrain your brain to be like, oh, okay, this isn't, this isn't how it is. You know? So for example, like my, my crusher is like mediocre at best. Like that's mm-hmm. what somebody would say about me as a marketer. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that sucks. You know? And yeah. so she has like this exercise then that you go through. And so it's been a really like, it's been a really interesting and enlightening experience to like yeah. have that. So, um, if you haven't checked that out before, I, 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 I yeah, I will definitely check out. Highly the book, recommend it out. I think so, <laughs> there should too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just it it 
changes everything. But again, mm-hmm. like when I'm when I'm feeling like an imposter, when I'm feeling anxious, and when I'm not performing in my business, like generally I can correlate it to bad habits. I haven't been exercising. I haven't been mm-hmm. getting my water. I haven't been eating well. So what to kind of like put a nice little bow on this, what advice would you give other women who want to start your business and are worried that the hustle is going to take over their lives? I think, I mean, that is such a, such a good question and something that like literally every woman starting a business, you know, is terrified of. Um, or struggles with. And I think the biggest thing is understanding that once you do jump, um, you get to make the rules and nobody else needs to tell you what to do. And, you know, whether that's your significant other or your children or your parents, your parents are a big one in that too, because you're still, you know, I know so many of us strive to like impress our parents kind of thing. And, you know, and so, and our friends and, Mm -hmm. The thing is you get to make the rules and you Mm -hmm. get to decide what you're going to create. And that is so powerful and so um, just inspiring when you really kind of look at that. And the other thing to know is that it is messy. It is really Mm -hmm. messy. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn along the way. That is literally the only, Google will be your best friend, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) you know, and you can figure out how to do anything. You just Google it and look it up and you'll figure out how to do it. And it just, um, just be careful in the sense of like, don't, don't hurt yourself in the process. Like don't, you know, break yourself down and think that you're not good enough. Cause that'll happen for sure. Yeah. Yeah figure out how to get past that and, yeah. and remember you're, um, you're strong enough and, and powerful enough to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great advice. So yeah. if listeners want to connect with you, if they're at a point where they're like, Hey, I want to work with somebody like Nika, I need this. Where can listeners find you and connect? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I have two websites. Uh, my personal is just nikalori.com And then my main website for my business is called healthandhustle.co. And there are tons and tons of free resources on there. Um, I also have a podcast. And so my podcast is there as well. Um, And then there is a really great free download there. It's literally just a healthy living guide. And it talks about some of the things we talked about today. Um, But there's tons of links and resources and stuff in the guide as well. They are. I'm scrolling through it right now. There's a ton. So make sure you are following and you connect. This has been a great conversation. And thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I hope today's conversation is a good reminder of why you need to include regular health practices for yourself so that you can continue to hustle without burning out and supporting your business in the best way possible. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time.